Welcome to Style Your Mind, a podcast for women who want to design their thoughts, empower themselves, and build a beautiful life. I'm your host, Carol Alwaleba, best-selling author and master life coach. I am obsessed with women on the edge of change, and I've worked with hundreds of those women all around the world to help them unlock the best version of themselves and fulfill their potential. If you're ready to style your mind and transform your life, then you're in the right place. Let's do this. Hi guys, and welcome back to the show. I'm really excited to bring you this episode today. I am interviewing my brother, Michael Alwell, writer and editor, and all around... All something. All around something. (laughs) All around, insert good word here. We were trying to think of like a third cool thing to call him, and we couldn't come up with anything, but he's here. That's a sign of a good writer, actually, when you can't do that. Yeah, (laughs) he's here. I'm excited to have him on the show today. He has written a couple of books. He is an editor. He is a designer. He is a self-publishing concierge. You guys ask me all the time for advice on self-publishing, on writing, on getting a book out there. So I thought, who better to have on the show than somebody who does this for a living? So welcome, Mike. Thank you. Uh, Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Yeah. So uh, let's dive into it. I feel like the best way to kind of talk about what you do is by sharing your story. So I would love you to kind of tell the audience about what you do. I know you just wrote your first full-length fiction novel. That's true, I did. Um, I've got my first fiction novel under my belt now. It's, it's not out just yet, but it will be uh, shortly. Don't want to overpromise on anything. <laughs> we just talked about like how you can never say an actual date something's going to come out because it, then you will absolutely miss the date. It so. will come out before humanity is eradicated. Probably. Before the so end of the world. That's, that's pretty good timing, I think. Um, yeah, no, so I, I have my first fiction novel out, which is, a uh, it's in the fantasy, urban fantasy genre, fantasy I really love, or a fantasy <laughs> genre I really love, um, and I've also done some nonfiction work with, um, books that are aimed at writers and at, you know, people who want to practice creative writing. How did you start writing? Because I feel like I, I always remember you, I remember back in the day, didn't you have like a live journal or some, one of those things? Oh, well, I sure did. <laughs> that was like I, early blogging days? I had a live journal. I had a Zanga. Uh, I, I don't, I had definitely had an AOL hometown page. Yes. One of yes. those. I still, I actually looked for it the other day and I couldn't find it. I was like, maybe it's on Google. Maybe you I could find of those. my poetry from when I was 15 <laughs> and cringe inwardly. But inwardly. you always, you loved writing. Yeah, I love writing. I love reading. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you remember, like, I, at family parties, I would, like, sit in the basement of wherever house we were in and just read mm-hmm. and, and, like, write and draw little maps of, like, worlds I was imagining in my mind while everyone else had fun upstairs. So I think all the reading kind of just led to wanting to do that on my own. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, writing-wise, I've actually been writing since I was, I want to say 13, or for, like, legitimately writing and mm-hmm. putting things together. I don't think anyone told me you could actually try to do that and, and get it out there to people until way later. And mm-hmm. obviously in college, I did a bunch of math stuff, so that kind of set a different course for me for a while. Yeah, because um, your career yeah. was not did not turn out to be in writing in the beginning. No, not at all. I mean, so tell it to everyone like what you did after co- well during college and after college. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, on the college side, I um, like I said, I always loved writing. I loved poetry in specific when I was in high school. But then I, I I thought about it, like, could you be a poet for a living? <laughs> it, it doesn't, like, look like it turns out really Unless well. Unless it was, like, 1897. <laughs> it's like, if you come from a poor family, is that a great way to make money to support your family members? Actually, uh, now. I mean, but I... But it I think in now. the time period that there, we were growing no up, yes, you had I to think be in the know. A lot of people that are listening, you guys can relate to this. Like, we all kind of grew up with that 
mentality of like just get a good job with health insurance and 401k and you'll be set for life like nobody really introduced creative careers to us yeah absolutely i mean that's why when i went to college i doubled down on math and science and because it was safe safe, air quotes i mean you you tell any like family member at a party you're like oh i'm majoring in math they're like okay you're you're set yeah like we don't have to worry about you you're smart you'll be a teacher and you'll be good for life and i mean to be fair after college i I worked at google for 10 years so i mean Mm -hmm that had something to do with that. So that was, I think in this modern age, probably one of the better companies you could be at and mm-hmm. feel safe at. Um, and while I was there, I did a whole bunch of things, you know, obviously a lot of like analysis, uh, analyst work and add ups and business work and the like. Um, the problem was that I was good at it and I enjoyed it and I worked with great people. It just wasn't the thing I always wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was able to delude myself for a solid 10 years <laughs> into thinking like, maybe I'll just begin to like it more than writing. And I could just, like, even though I was writing at the time and I was, like, publishing short stories and putting together all these writing projects, I don't know. I guess I thought I would just fall out of it. And uh, then I had a very much a, a come-to-Jesus moment. It was actually in Japan in 2014 was mm. my come-to-Jesus moment where I was like... That's when I had mine. Yeah, I know. And I, I we were there... Yeah, you, I don't know if you... Yeah, you guys know the before. story. Like, when I finally left MTV, it's because Mike invited me to Japan on a whim. And I couldn't afford it. It wasn't <laughs> in the budget. It wasn't yeah. in the calendar. But he bought me a ticket as a gift. And he said, just come. You can crash with me and my mm-hmm. soon-to-be wife. And mm-hmm. we're going to stay in Japan. And that was the trip that ultimately changed my life and I came home and quit MTV but I didn't know you had a moment there too yeah I mean because you you were there for a week or so right yeah two weeks two weeks mm-hmm. and and I was there for uh, Linda and I were there for a month and I think it was just it was like the first month I had been away from life. college <laughs> and like work and like really just sat down and was like something is not working here for me you know in in the sense yeah, of yeah, your home was. life yeah yeah mm-hmm. exactly um and I just really thought deeply about what do I want like if I could pick anything what would I do and it was just, I was like, I just want to do fiction. I just want to yeah. write. Even if I have to, like, crawl on my belly to finish it, and it's the only novel I ever write, I just want to say I've done it and have it produced. And I think that's actually a good point, like, talking about getting away from reality sometimes, and uh, quote reality, right? Because reality we know now is anything that you make it, but I think a lot of people, and not everyone can afford themselves a trip to Japan, but even just taking two weeks off work and using your vacation time and living your life as if you're a writer or as if you're a life coach or whatever it is that you want to pursue, you have to actually physically pluck yourself out of your environment sometimes to see what it is that you really want. Absolutely. And I I, I mean, for people, I think it's a great point to make that uh, going to Japan is not a realistic goal for a lot of people. Like not budgetarily or right. monetarily, it's not realistic. It's not, yeah, it's not doable for everyone right now, but something that kind of Peels you away yeah. from the day to day. And I just, I guess I wanted to add the context for me. Um, between college and work, I lived in Japan for two years as essentially a government surf, making nothing. Teaching you know, English. Yeah, working, you know, in some boondocks, nowhere place. Um, so going back there was really like revisiting before I had made that huge corporate commitment mm-hmm. and kind of getting this like glimpse into the possibility that I, I used to feel. Right. But I think what's interesting about what you, you went to Japan in 2014, mm-hmm. kind of on the Google dime, so to speak, that on, your, on your corporate. Funded by. Yeah. Certainly funded by. Yeah. So I think everything, it, it just proves that like everything serves a purpose in life. You know, and I try to stress that to a lot of the girls who are listening who are still in their corporate jobs, like utilize that job to get you oh, what absolutely. you need to get to the next step, yeah. whether it's paying for a vacation or 
giving you whatever, you know, yeah. money you can invest in services and editing and writing and whatever it is that you need to do to make your dreams happen. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, always take advantage of whatever, I guess, advantages you have offered to you. Yep. I don't think you need to reboot your entire existence just to get started because then yes. you're really kind of shooting yourself in the foot. Yep. So you had the moment in Japan. Mm-hmm. You came home and then what happened? I came home and then I decided to do nothing about it for two years. Okay. Um, that that seemed like no. I just I I was beginning to you know um, sort of like in a relationship when you begin to move away from that. You're not that ready person. to. Yeah. <laughs> Google and I began like we just were getting cold on each other, and I was spending more and more time writing my spare time. And it was about six months after that the idea for this book for Undercity coalesced. And I just spent, you know, I, I didn't have the time necessarily at Google to write it there. I was so slammed with trying to keep my head above water. But I spent a ton of time just taking notes, like hashing through the ideas, hashing through plot and characters and all this. So that when I departed from Google, I was like ready to write immediately. So let me ask you this, because I know a lot of people listening probably want to write a book, whether it's mm-hmm. fiction, nonfiction. How did you know where to begin? Oh, boy. Um... Was it self-taught? Did you take a class? So I, I think, you know, I, I think there's probably, maybe there's three things, maybe just two. I'm going to kind of spitball a little bit. Um, I did read a number of books on writing, you know, like mm-hmm. Stephen King's book on, it's literally right. called On Writing. <laughs> on Writing, yeah. Um, and there's, there are ones that are more nonfiction based as well. I thought that that kind of gave me some tools for like, how do I approach this? Mm-hmm. Um, I had done writing workshops as well. Like, simple things out of someone's house where it's, like, four writers and you guys bring a story and you workshop. How did you find out about those? Um, I think I just searched on Google, honestly. Yeah. There's, for New York City, there's a couple of these resources, like, education ones. Um, I'm sure in other places there are meetup groups as well. Mm-hmm. But you can find things for, and I think it was actually pretty cheap. I feel like it was, like, 150 bucks for 10 weeks or something, which yeah. 15 bucks a week is not bad for, for a writing workshop. Um, so I did that. I think also I, reading a lot gives you a sense of like how you would structure the thing you want to write. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whether it is fiction or nonfiction or the like. Uh, and then it was, and this is a fiction thing, maybe it's a nonfiction thing too, you would know better than I would. Um, I just started telling myself the story and mm. I kept telling myself the story over the and story over. story of your novel. Yeah. Okay. Almost like, you know, like you're telling a kid like a bedtime story. Mm-hmm. Just like in my head at the gym, walking around, you know, grabbing a cocktail or something like that. I'm just thinking, there's like, okay, I'm like 10% through and I'm going to tell it to myself again. Now I'm 11% through and That's on interesting. and on and on. And it all changed. Like you write it and then you're like, okay, I have to change this and that and shuffle the stuff around. But I'm actually, I'm doing a new, like, I've got my second novel that I'm doing the same process on right now, so I really feel it, or I'm like... So do you write it in your head, and then you tell it back in your head, or you write it on paper and then tell it to yourself? I, I, I say it in my head, and I take notes. Okay. Like, obviously, I'm not going to write the whole thing in notes, but mm-hmm. I'm just like, you know, character X does blah, and then mm-hmm. there's this thing, and then sometime later, this other thing happens. And it's almost like, you know, you're just throwing all this stuff, and you're kind of seeing it coalesce into, like, a, a meaningful shape. Okay. Um... And then, you, you know, you have to make decisions too. You're like, okay, this was a good idea six months ago. It's a terrible idea now, so you yeah. can change it. But it is, it's, it's weird. It's, it's this amorphous blob that begins to take a form. It begins to actually feel, this is where the reading comes in. Like, yeah. really handy. like it actually feels like those stories you've read mm-hmm. or movies you've seen or TV shows or whatever. Interesting. Okay. So yeah. you wrote the book. You finished it. I did, thankfully. Um, yeah, a, a solid uh, 90,000 words, so... How does it feel to finish something of that magnitude? Because I know my books are way shorter. Um, honest. So the first draft was 115,000 words. Okay. And 
it's just terrifying because you realize you have to edit it now and you're like can I, can I curse? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't think anyone's going to mind. Yeah. No, but that's the first thing you're... It's it's almost like, if if you know or like any of the listeners know, if you're going to clean your house, first you're like, you take everything off. Like, you're just getting all the mess in the center and you're like, okay, it's all here. Like, it's all into this one form. And now I've got to really straighten it up. Um, and that editing process, for at least for me, and I hear this for a lot of writers, it took twice as long as the initial first draft. You know, wow. it's, it's so much work. Um, having done all that, once the editing was done and once I thought it was good, I had this huge impulse just to go ahead and publish it and just like, forget it, let me run. And then I, I had people be like, go get beta readers, go mm-hmm. connect with people who aren't you. Yes. And who don't know that you've been living in this world for the last two years. Yeah. Does it make sense to the average reader? Yeah. Um, and I'm glad I did that. I had beta readers, some of whom were like close to me and, and some of them were people um, I didn't know so well. And it was hard. It's like really hard to get that feedback from someone where you're like, you don't know that this is the reason for this is blah, blah, blah. And you have to kind of calm yourself down and a good practice. You learn this in like writing workshops. Like you're not allowed to speak when people give you feedback. Mm -hmm. You're just supposed to sit there and listen and and take the abuse for 20 minutes or whatever it is. But it's really helpful because there's a reason people have this, this type of feedback. And then you have to go and make more changes in life. So how do you recommend someone that's listening, whether they've written fiction or nonfiction, how do they go about getting beta readers? Like, what is the process? Yeah, so it's tempting to try to get, like, friends and loved ones. Maybe one or two. I would try to skip that. Like, Linda read for you, right? Yeah, Linda read for me. That's Mike's wife, by the way. And my best friend read for me. Um, And I trusted them. So both of them are really well read in the genre. Mm -hmm. So I knew they would have the, the reference points that I was looking for. I knew my both of them would be super supportive. Uh, I kind of expected Linda's feedback to be warmer than the average beta readers. And I expected mm-hmm. my best friends to be, he's a pretty logical guy, so mm-hmm. I thought it would be pretty logical. Um, but then you should find friends of friends, mm-hmm. or like secondary degree connections are really great for that. Um, you could find strangers online, like Goodreads is a great place people look. The problem is accountability. And I had this with a few people I asked, unfortunately, who said they would read it, and then, you know, I'm sitting there waiting three months and not hearing a peep. Never and I, I never heard back from some of these people ever. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's not a judgment call on them. It's more that you have to get on with your life and work on this. How many book. beta readers did you have? I had five. Okay. Is that, like, a good number for someone? I think, you know, um, yeah. Because if you're, if you're getting too many more than five, it's like, you have, like, ten people, twenty people. How are you going to incorporate all that feedback? It's, yeah. It's almost like a statistical study at that point of... Mm-hmm themes people brought up and the like. So I, I thought five was pretty good. I think three to, I guess I'll just average in five. Three to eight, <laughs> it seems good. Um, no, that seems, I, I think five is a good number to shoot for. Keeping in mind that probably one of those five is never going to get back to you. Yeah. If you're lucky. So I want to shift gears a little bit because I know you have your novel and I know that that's still pending. That has not come out yet. Mm-hmm. But you have published a lot of other things, which I think are really cool. You've done the Lit Mags. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. can you talk to us about that? Because Mike is actually going to be working on one of my, I don't want to call it a Lit Mag. I guess it's, in my mind, it's more of a zine. Yeah, you called it a quarterly. Quarterly. Like, it was very, it was very elegant. Yeah, quarterly. quarterly. Yeah. Kind of, I, so I'll kind of give you guys a heads up. I haven't announced this anywhere yet, so this is like ex- ex- breaking news. <laughs> exclusive. I am going to start doing a quarterly. air horn sound. Breaking. I'm going to be doing a quarterly version of Style Your Mind, which will be kind of like a mini magazine that we're going to publish, and that's going to be available in print on Amazon. I don't think I'm doing digital because 
I'm just such an old school kind of girl. I just, yeah. I don't know. I love holding things. So anyway, the idea came to me because I had wanted to do something like this. And then I saw Mike's um, lit mag, which mm -hmm. is called Weird City. Weird City. And it was so beautifully done. So can you tell us about that and what the process was like? Yeah, of course. So the I've done two issues of Weird City. I'm working on a third. I'm also working on an interlude issue. And I'll describe those in a moment. But I started this, I think it was back in 2015. It was shortly after the Japan moment. Okay. And it was one of those things where, I, you know, like you're sitting around one day and you're just like, I bet I could do that. Yeah. You know, I Because you had read other ones. Yeah, I read okay. other ones. And I had, for people who are, who are listening who've ever tried to submit a story to a lit mag, it can be, it's like the rejection of Tinder times 20,000. I don't know what the rejection Tinder's like. I'm too yeah, old for that. But, me too. Or I guess I'm not, <laughs> not too old, but I'm too out of the... Out of the dating I've, I've been yeah. a kept man for like a decade now, so like I don't really know what that's like, but... Or like, it's kind of like the rejection of online dating just intensified so much yeah. more. And so I thought, I feel like the voices I'm looking for aren't being represented, so let me go start a magazine to try to find those voices. Mm -hmm. um, and I did that the first time through, it was intense and a great learning experience. And then the second time through, I was like, okay, I did it in digital, that was cool. I really want to see it in print. Mm -hmm. I'd seen some beautiful print magazine. Um, I, I guess I'll plug them. It's, it's mean not to plug them. They did have a really nice magazine, Pop Shop Magazine. Okay. So those guys, I like picked up in Berlin when I was there. Is that the one you sent me? Yeah. You got me with the David Bowie on it? No, that was a different okay. one. Okay. That was a different one. Yeah. But it was just, it was like that six by nine-ish format. Mm -hmm. And it was sort of similar writing. And I was just like, oh, this is, this is kind of really where I wanted to get to. Mm -hmm. um, and then so for the second issue of Weird City... I was like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna make it print. And it's a collection of short stories from other people. Exactly. Okay. Do you have any of your own work in there? I don't. Okay. Um, it's it's tempting to try to stack the deck in in your favor and be like, oh, and I'm you know, mm -hmm. skip the editor line. But I, I think it's it's better to feature other people's work in, in that case. Yeah, um, and so you guys know Mike designs, edits, like you do everything. I do everything. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes so, it's weird to tell people you do everything because they're like, you must be really crappy at all those things. Cause no, but not, he, you're yeah. not. Yeah. yeah. So tell everyone like how you got into that. I want to kind of get into a little bit more about what you do because I feel yeah. like a lot of girls are listening now and they're like, I want to do something like that. Mm -hmm. And they don't know where to begin. They feel like they, I, that's how I was. Like I had all these ideas, but I couldn't mm -hmm. design. I yeah. didn't know one thing about laying out a book, let mm -hmm. alone a magazine. So what do you do in terms of helping people? Yeah. So... Um, so I'm gonna skip the editing part, like the, the editing yeah. selecting part is a whole different thing. Um, but in regards to helping people, you're, are, are we talking about like sort of concierge type stuff? Yeah, or, like okay. the whole kind of self-publishing concierge, like soup to nuts program yeah, that you sure. have. Yeah, for um, sure. So yeah, so I'm gonna just pause for a second here and just think about this, because for a, a lit mag in specific, it's a bit different than, than mm -hmm. a book. Well, let's talk about books first. Like, sure, okay, yeah. Because I think like a lot, like I said, a lot of girls have an idea they want to do a book, but they don't know where to yeah, start. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, so it's, it's really taking kind of the final draft from the the writer mm -hmm. and doing kind of like what I think are the phases necessary to getting it to be a, a print and or digital kind of mm -hmm. format. Um, and usually what that looks like, you, you start off with copy editing because final is never really final. Mm -hmm. There's always something you've missed. So someone comes to you when the book is done. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I, I highly recommend people do all the beta re reader type of stuff. Mm -hmm. I highly recommend they if they can afford it, hire like a developmental editor along the way. But mm -hmm. these aren't always like realistic things you can do. Yeah. Um, so it's really when they're ready to see it in published format. Okay. Um, so taking that, doing some like kind of copy editing work on it. And then if we're going to talk about it, especially for print, we're going to talk about what laying it out looks like. Um, 
I like to approach it of, you know, give me some some sample items that you love. Give me books you love. Give me your genre. Give me what you think your market is. Describe who your kind of every woman, every man reader is. Mm-hmm. And really that kind of goes into what does the look and feel wind up being. Okay. And that's, you know, typography, that's sizing. That's going to include, you know, that's all interior stuff, right? And then so, exterior, how the cover would look and how... So they would give you, like, samples of books that they love. The exactly, way they yeah. That's kind of what I did with mine. I was like, I love this. I love this font. Yeah, give, I like... give me your five to ten right. books you love. And for me, since you guys know, <laughs> when I, Ryan did my books, and he's my husband, and he's very similar to, like, Mike's style in terms of, like, design qualifications and stuff, I gave him Vogue, a copy of Vogue, <laughs> and I was like, make it look like this. That's perfect. But, yeah. like, anything that yeah. you like visually, it doesn't have to be, like... Hemingway novel. It could be, yeah. you know, like anything. Yeah, that yeah, it could be anything. Actually, yeah. attractive to you. Yeah, any. I would say I, I might go one step further and say any print media. Print, yes. Because print and sure. digital are really different, and mm-hmm. you can get away with different things in them, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, getting that stuff, and then it's like mock-ups. You know, you're like, okay, here are a couple different sample versions of this. What do you like about them? What do you dislike? Mm-hmm. And kind of tuning towards so that it's perfect for the the writer. Um, similar process with covers, a little mm-hmm. bit more involved because the cover tends to really need to do a lot of work. Mm-hmm. The interior is should be stylistically consistent, but we all do judge books by their covers. The cover's yeah. got to be like really fucking good. Yeah. Um, getting that all into a package that's ready for publishing, and then all the sort of nuts and bolts of actually, you know, it's, it sounds really easy when you're like, oh, just uploading it until you realize it's like uploading and then all this work with ISBNs and then all this work with descriptions and keywords and yeah. proofs. And so all you that. work, just to clarify, you work with CreateSpace. That's the. I do, yes. Okay, so you guys, that's what I published my books with, with CreateSpace. Yeah. Like they're, everything. They're great. I they're, actually yeah. really like them, yeah. Amazon owns them. It's mm-hmm. print on demand. So basically, you upload your book through CreateSpace, you put it on Amazon, you don't pay a penny to them. You, you pay for, obviously, like your services or whatever, yeah. whoever's helping with the book, but. You do not pay create space. You literally yeah. collect a royalty check every month based on how much your book sells. So it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah they they are they're fa- they're they're great. I'm surprised actually no one is competing with them in that space because they kind of just own that. Sp- like I mean, there's a, a few. few. They're, they're not, not good. They're not ideal. Yeah, I, yeah. I always recommend create space to people, and like yeah. that's just the way to go. Yeah, I mean, I think a big part of what's a huge appeal for them, and not to get not to make this a Again, a promotion for Create Space, but, uh, <laughs> but I'm all about like. I'll but promote. I'm all about now. I mean, if they want to send me a check, I'll take it. But I'm just saying, I love them, and I'm happy to like share yeah. the, the good word. And I was just—they're integrated into Amazon, and Amazon. Yes. If you're gonna self-publish, Amazon is—you're gonna be living in Amazon land. So yeah. you have to really figure out how the Create Space and the the print side works, and then how the the KDP, the Kindle. Yes. You know. And the thing with, yeah, and I just want to put this out there too, because again, it's a question I get all the time. When you self-publish, you are not automatically in bookstores. So you're pretty much selling your book on Amazon because most bookstores, unfortunately, will not take self-published authors because they have to buy the book, pay for it up front. Mm -hmm. They can't send it back if it doesn't sell. When you have a publisher, for example, my books with Penguin, bookstores can take you know, 10 copies of my book, and if they don't sell in 60 days or whatever, they can ship them back to Penguin. So that's one thing to keep in mind, but it's not a bad thing because most people are shopping on Amazon. I love bookstores. I want them to be around forever, but at the end of the day... I mean, Barnes & Noble just had a really terrible um, news release last week, was it? Mm -hmm. Where they're not doing well. They haven't kept up with the times. You really see independent bookstores are on the rise. Yeah. 
Which is great. Um, and which I think gives you an opportunity to possibly put your self-published work there. Yes. If you are, especially in like a smaller town, you exactly. can kind of approach, yeah. like even I'm when almost I'm... jealous because New York is such a <laughs> tough Yeah, market, but you can go even yeah. to Brooklyn. I mean, I know for me, like oh, the don't book workshop. Oh, don't worry. I've got my like hit list of places that I've been hitting up for stuff. Yeah, but if you guys like want to put your book in a bookstore, like just walk in. Walk into yeah. your local bookstore and say, hey, I wrote this. this just, I'm just really proud of it. Just put it down and when people pick it up, you're like, <laughs> just I'm, put I'm it, just going to... I actually used to do that way. This is funny. I'm going to check you out right here. Um... I do cash. Let me get my square reader. <laughs> exactly. No, but I used to actually go to Barnes and Noble. Express checkout for my book only. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you guys can definitely get it there. But again, yep. Amazon is really, I mean, it's just, it's so convenient for everyone. Yeah. So you help people get their books on CreateSpace and mm -hmm. then sell them on Amazon. Yeah. And, and that includes all the sort of work, um, the sort of brainstorming, marketing, promotion work that goes into Oh, you do being, that? I didn't realize. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I do. Cool. Um, had to learn that for a whole bunch of other publishing stuff. So mm -hmm. now more than happy to extend those services to people as well so that you're not yeah destroyed by some you know marketing firm pumping up a bunch of books somewhere yeah so what's your favorite part about what you do uh huh that is a great question um and i, I was about to give some silly snarky response but i i really don't want to um i think turning something that doesn't exist into something that does exist you know, turning an idea like this, especially on the, I mean, for my stuff, it's one thing. It's For other people's stuff, it's another thing. When you help, like, you almost, like, are this, like, weird magician of sorts. You're like, okay, you've got this idea. You have this, you know, whatever it is, Word file or something. Mm -hmm. You're like, we're going to actually make this to a physical object mm -hmm. that you can then show everyone. That you can put on your bookshelf, that you can mm -hmm. put alongside any other book. Um it, it just combines this, like, I, I like helping people. I'm an analytical person, but I really do like that people side of it. It kind of combines that with the attention to detail I love about analysis in layout and design, and then the kind of freedom of expression that actual design is. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, so some, somewhere in there, that, like, creation aspect. Mm -hmm. uh, at Google, I never got to create. You yeah. Know, Ten years, you work on someone else's thing. Mm -hmm. That's always how it is, unless you're top dog. Yeah. Um, so and actually, thing meaning like a really boring I know, analytical like, project. Oh, I worked for, I, and not to you know poo poo on uh, people who who do it for a living because right. it generates massive amounts of of revenue. And some people love it. Yeah. And that's like more power to you if that's who you are. But I yeah. think a lot of people are more creative at heart, especially totally. my audience. So I think that they're kind of more on our side. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I yeah, for sure. I never really got that same rush being like, oh, I really worked in this small little scripting module of some ad platform. Yeah. Wow, I can, it's a great cocktail story to tell people. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, people's eyes just glaze over as so you're like, oh yeah, I'm an ad ops. <laughs> as opposed to like, here's the book I just, you know, yeah. published. And people and are like, holy shit. There's know? nothing like holding your first copy in your I hands. Know. It's like having a, what I imagine having a baby is like, and I don't have a baby, but like, that's yeah. the closest <clears throat> thing I have to it. And it's like, getting that that actual product and holding it and being able to say like this is mine i like yeah. created this i love doing that with proofs of books mm -hmm. i actually um it sounds crazy but like i i know like the, you get the kind of tracking notes on the proof's gonna arrive and everything and i like just set time aside i don't even open it unless i'm like my pour like a little wine or something right. sit Light take a, a breather <laughs> be like okay let's take a look let's just see it for the first time yeah um, and you have that kind of like 10, 20 minutes of euphoria, but just feeling it and looking and flipping through it. And then you're like, oh, I forgot to do this. Or like, yeah. and they need something adjusted. 
do you help people with promotional stuff? So like, I know a lot of my girls do events mm -hmm. and they'll do like a speaking engagement and they want to bring copies of their book, but then maybe little postcards or stickers. Do you do anything like oh, that? Oh yeah, totally. Okay. Um, so in talking about both digital and uh, physical collateral, mm -hmm. you know, um, all that stuff falls definitely under the design umbrella. Um, so again, one of those really fun things to do. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is the one thing about add ops I really loved learning is yeah. like, you get like a deep appreciation for good collateral. Yeah. That's always my fun part, I think, with books, and especially now I'm working with Penguin. I have a whole team that helps me with it, but like just kind of conceptualizing the ideas and like, mm -hmm. what are we going to do for this launch? Like, yeah. is it going to be a little quote card that somebody could put on their vision board, mm -hmm. or is it going to be something that we could, you know, a sticker that I could put on mm -hmm. a wall somewhere? Or like, how are you going to make that book come to life in yeah. a way that people will remember it? I've seen these really cool things. They've been out of stock. I've been desperately trying to get um, by them. You can now do NFC. Cards, you What's know what that? Say? No. So NFC, they're cards with like a little microchip in them. Okay. And for NFC readers, like Android phones have these built in. I think iPhone, you can just download an app. Like or a something. QR code. So not even more than that. Like you tap your phone to the card, and it takes you somewhere. Huh. So it's like some interesting, like kind of marketing integration stuff yeah. going on there. Very tech savvy. It's very very yeah. futuristic. <laughs> um, but people seem to like it. They've been sold out for months. So pretty cool. Yeah, they're supposed to go on sale tomorrow. I oh. should make a note of that. <laughs> Uh, number one piece of advice to writers. To writers, writers looking to write or writers looking to publish. Both. Oh great! I just gave let's myself, do. I, two I gave myself ones. double. Now homework. we're gonna give you double, <laughs> double value, double content here. Um, First piece of advice <clears throat> to somebody who just has always dreamed of writing a book, fiction, yeah. nonfiction, whatever. Um. Okay, so I think for writers. This, this might not totally fit in your question, but I, I definitely think this is the best piece of advice for writers is, and it's gonna sound ridiculous as a piece of advice, is make sure you're spending more time writing than thinking about writing. I love that. It's really easy to that. be in your head about how you're gonna write it or how it's gonna be terrible or great or these little daydreams of people loving your work. You gotta put the time in. Mm -hmm. And you gotta put the time in like when you feel good about it, when you feel bad about it, when you're sick, when you're over when you're whatever you, yep. you gotta put the time in that's i love that i actually yeah. just did a podcast last week on procrastination mm. i was like the biggest <clears throat> thing that i tell people to do when they're stuck is just get into action yeah. just do something even if it's total shit yeah just move just get into action stop thinking about it and that's i mean this is not talking about ready set right for this yeah. podcast but that's very much mm -hmm. the philosophy there is like five minutes a day like force mm -hmm. yourself to do something you should just talk about that though ready set right what is tell everybody oh, yeah what so is. uh ready set right is um a series of creative writing exercise books that, that I've got coming out pretty soon. And the idea is each one is a, essentially a 90-day plan of prompts um, and exercises to direct people to spend five minutes a day writing. Creatively. Creatively, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, it's, I mean, fiction writers will definitely see a lot of connections in genre, but I also think it helps just to break your brain a little bit and mm -hmm. get you thinking about things differently and just force you to be, you know, using your imagination. Um, with the level slowly getting a little bit more advanced throughout the four books. And yeah, it's honestly, it came out of this thought that I wish I had had something that was like that and not, there There are a lot of writing prompt books out there, um, but they tend to be like, here's the word orange, write about the word orange. <laughs> You're like, okay, I mean, it's going to be like five minutes of Tropicana writing, I guess, at this point. So something a little stranger and different than that. But I like that you did that because I know, so I wrote Stripped, which was kind of, I call mm -hmm. it my poetic personal development. It was a total departure PPD. from, yeah, maybe <laughs> total departure from what I normally do. But it was such a great experience for me just to be creative. I hired a poetry editor for that book mm -hmm. and she, Victoria Erickson, you guys may follow her on Instagram. She's brilliant. 
but it was just such a fun experience and I yeah. feel like it made me a better businesswoman just to learn something different and to use my it's just like yeah. Japanese lessons like yeah. using your brain in a different way so if you guys are listening and even if you're like all about the business mm-hmm. check out Ready Set Right it's going to be on Amazon soon Yeah. Um, I'm sure Mike will announce it on oh, his Instagram yeah, yeah. and we'll give you all that info at the end of this and in the show notes but I think it's just a cool exercise to do absolutely um, just to sharpen your skills one way or the other absolutely um, and then the second part of your question for writers looking to publish mm-hmm. biggest piece of advice there would be I mean it kind of goes back to what I was talking about with beta readers let other people in and accept their feedback Mm. without judgment or self-defense or anything like don't be afraid to to let that little baby get bruised it will be better for it your ego will will take a hit but that's that's how you grow like if you don't have a thick skin you're not going to make it a lot of people say that like and i know this is different because they're not haters they're obviously your trusted community but Mm -hmm. a lot of people say you can learn a lot from haters and i do think there is some value in hearing out Mm -hmm. what people are saying about you because it doesn't mean it's truth yeah it's an opinion but it does kind of just make you more aware of how you're perceived and i don't think that's necessarily a bad thing to know yeah i agree i actually think in that case you know you, you could think about it in the sense that for you to listen to for you to be able to listen to what so-called like haters are saying about you you then also have to have this conversation with your own self like what is the image and brand i want to put forward what are my values and it's you know i think sometimes a lot of us like we have some vague idea of what that is mm-hmm. But it's not until you confront these external opinions about yourself, good and bad, that you're really like, okay, you know what? I don't really care that they have an issue with blah, 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 because I'm actually this other thing. And that's not who I want to reach, maybe. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And you see this with successful people all the time. They're just like, they can hate me. I'm not. Yeah. That's not what I'm doing. So. And I think in terms of beta readers, it's actually really smart to have a lot of different t- types of people reading your work yeah. because it helps you identify your ideal yeah. audience because your book is not for everyone. That's true. My book is not for everyone. So it sort of helps you hone in on who is meant to read it. I think so. I would say the one caveat would be on the the big broad categories of like you getting a fiction reader to read a nonfiction book unless if they never read nonfiction, it's not to say it won't be valuable, but they might be like assessing it with a fiction eye mm-hmm. and vice versa. True. So very true. Um, and if you've just got beta readers to spare, sure. But um, yeah. you just got to know that, like, if you only have four, mm-hmm. I wouldn't spend one on someone who is. Yep. I only read memoirs. Oh, here's this epic yeah. fantasy book because it's yeah. gonna be weird. Yeah, totally. Cool. Well, Alrighty. thank you so much for this. Oh, was thank awesome. Thank you for having me. Very yeah. helpful. I want you to tell everybody where they can find you. Yes. So you guys can find me in a couple places. Um, if you're if you want to kind of think about self-publishing and those sorts of services the best place there is going to be design.michaelallwill and I assume everyone knows how to yeah so mm-hmm. design.michaelallwill.com and I'll link this again like yeah, show notes yeah. and stuff um, from a social media perspective I'm most active on Instagram where I cultivate a whole feed of things for writers and uh, people who love writing and reading and the like and that's going to be at Michael Allwell and generally I have a website as well surprisingly that's michaelallwill.com uh, these I think you guys probably are noticing a theme here. Um, but yeah, I would say those, the first two are really the best places. Cool. And then your books, they can find on Amazon, like Ready, Set, Write will be there soon. Ready, Set, Write should be, I. the proof is at one of these stupid UPS access points. Mm. It was supposed to be here yesterday, so I'm a little, a little pissy yeah. about that. But um, <laughs> that's probably going to be first. You pissy about I something? Know, surprising. Um, I, I want to aim for first week of March on that. Probably, that's, if I'm going to be realistic. this week. Shit, is it real? Oh, fuck. It is, you're right. Uh, All right, stay tuned. That's coming uh, mid, soon. Mid-March. Coming soon. Yeah. Um, but Weird City's available. 
uh, for people looking for lit stuff that's on Amazon currently. And you guys check that out too because again, even if you're not a fiction writer, like I know that I found it really helpful to look at just to yeah. grab a copy and look at what I could do with it from from my kind of writing, mm-hmm. my genre. So it's I think it's just cool to see. Yeah, and there's some really good proof pages for it on design.michaelalbull.com. So cool, awesome, cool. Thank you very much. This is very well. Great. Thank you. You guys, check him out. I promise it will be helpful. Um, thank you for tuning in. If you have any questions or anything, shoot me an email. I can make sure I get it to Mike. Shoot him an email. And we'll talk to you next time. Have Bye a good guys. one. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you love this episode, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a thing. And if you really love this episode, I would love it if you guys could leave me a review on iTunes. For more beyond this podcast, including my blog and where you can find all of my books, visit me at thechampagnediet.com. And for daily inspiration, including uplifting quotes, mantras, and of course, pretty pictures, come hang with me on Instagram at thechampagnediet. Until next time.